Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. At the end, we're going to have an opportunity just to share a bit of how we have seen the goodness of God in our hearts and lives whether it's been recently or just throughout our lives. We're gonna have that opportunity to testify to that. So uh, just let God kind of speak and well up whatever it might be that uh, he's calling you to share a little bit later. But before we get into it, we are just gonna pray and ask that God would open up our hearts to him tonight. So why don't you join me as we pray? God, we wanna thank you that you are our God. We thank you that You, the God of the universe, the one who flung the stars in the space, the one who created all that we know, that you actually want to know us. You wanna come and you wanna meet with us. And so God, tonight, as we open up your word, God, I pray that you would help our hearts be soft to what it is that you wanna do in us tonight. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what it is that you might be saying to us. And we do just say, come Holy Spirit and do in us what you want to. God, we thank you for what you're gonna do, amen. Last week we started a new series in the book of First Peter and we're gonna jump in and read the passage of scripture tonight. We are in 1 Peter chapter one, And we are gonna be reading from verse 13. So if you have your Bibles, get them out, read along, or it will be on the screen behind me. Verse 13 says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, So be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. We're gonna jump down to verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it, You may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. I believe God wants to encourage us tonight as his people to keep growing up in our salvation. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was grow up. 
I longed for the time when I would get my license and be able to drive and go wherever it is that I wanted to go whenever I wanted to go there. I longed for the days that I could stay up late, watch whatever I wanted to watch on TV, eat whatever it was I felt like it at whatever time of the day. And as a kid, this is what I thought it meant to grow up. And all I wanted to do was to grow up so I could do those things. And I'm sure on some level, we all remember this longing of looking at being a kid and then saying, oh, I just long to be an adult. Now, if you're an adult, you kind of look back and wish you were a kid sometimes. But I actually wonder if we've ever had that longing to grow up in our salvation. And to be honest, until preparing this message, I'm not sure I've actually considered this concept of growing up in my salvation. I've thought about this idea of growing in my relationship with God and growing as a follower of Jesus, but this idea of growing my salvation, we, th we think salvation is a one-time thing, one and kind of all done. Salvation is the deliverance from the guilt and power of sin. And by his death and resurrection, Jesus brings people who believe in him salvation. I believe in Jesus. I'm saved. I have salvation. But today, as we continue to dive into the book of 1 Peter and consider what it means for us to be a people that are called out to be a people who live different. I believe that God wants to encourage us to keep growing in our salvation. And although we have been given salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus, once we've accepted that, once we've accepted the gift of salvation, we must also continue to grow our salvation. And as we unpack this section of 1 Peter, we're gonna find that growing up in our salvation is eerily similar to growing up as a kid. And just like there are some important lessons to learn as a child, there are important lessons that we, as followers of Jesus, must learn as we continue to grow up in our salvation. And so we're gonna jump back into this passage to see three lessons that we can learn. We're gonna go right back to the start. And right at the start, it says, therefore. And any time there's a therefore in scripture, you know that whatever's gone before that impacts what is about to come. And in the verses prior to this, we're told that through accepting Jesus' death and resurrection, we have been given a new birth into a living hope. And we've been given an inheritance. We have been given salvation. Therefore, it says, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. In the New Living Translation, it uses these words. It says, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Once we are given this salvation, once we receive salvation, in order for us to continue to grow this salvation, we must be a people who learn and exercise self-control. 
And part of growing from a kid into an adult is learning how to be self-controlled. I know that if I left my kids at home by themselves, which I don't do yet because they're too young, but if I left them at home and said, all you need to do is just stay here, but I gave them no other boundaries, I'm pretty convinced I know what they're going to do. They are probably going to stay on technology all day and they're going to raid the house for all the chocolate and lollies and they're going to eat all of them and leave all the wrappers on the floor because they never put things in the bin. And as a parent, my role is to help them, help my kids learn self-control. Help them understand that indulging in whatever they want, whenever they want it, is actually not healthy for them. And this makes sense in the child-parent relationship. But if we look to the society in which we live, if we were to weigh up whether we are a people who are self-controlled or we're indulgent, I think you'd find that Even as adults, there is a huge culture of indulgence. You know, we might be good at sticking to that diet or that exercise plan, but this idea of indulging is actually to consume something enjoyable at a level that's no longer healthy for you. And all around us, we see people indulging. Indulging in consumerism, buying more things than they actually have money for. We see people indulging in gaming, playing it at a level that it's not healthy for them anymore. Social media scrolling, alcohol, sex. And if we are influenced by the culture around us, we are at risk of consuming these things at a level that is not healthy for us. And we might understand that from a physical point of view, we might understand that from a psychological point of view, but it also has an impact on our spiritual life as well. And 1 Peter calls us as followers of Jesus to live different. And if we are to live different in this world, it's gonna require us to be a people who are self-controlled. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. If you're indulging in the things of this world, indulging in them at a level that is no longer healthy for you, then you need to learn how to exercise self-control. And you might think to yourself, well, how do I know that it's an unhealthy level? Well, I want you to consider this. If it inhibits your ability to set your mind, set your hope on Christ, then maybe it's past the level of healthy. We've been given salvation. We have been given a living hope, but when our minds and our bodies are distracted because of everything else that we're filling them with, we don't grow our salvation. It just kind of gets stunted. And therefore, we must be a people who learn self-control. And I want to talk just really practically for a moment. How do you do that? How do you learn to be self-controlled? And firstly, for those of you right now who are just thinking to yourself, I know 
self-control is not one of my strengths. Self-discipline is just not something that I'm good at. I wanna remind you of this. In, one, in 2 Timothy 1, it says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. When we receive salvation, you are given the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God does not make you timid, but the Spirit of God instead fills you with power, with love and self-discipline. And so we need to remember that as we accept the salvation that we're giving, as we're filled with the Spirit, we have power, we have love and we have self-discipline. But there is also a part that we also need to play as well. And I encourage you with two things that you can do to help to be a person that is self-controlled. And the first thing is to pre-decide. And the second thing is to practice. So pre-decide. See, for most of us, as I'm talking about this idea of indulging, how we need to learn to be a people who are self-controlled, you already know that thing that is in your life that you indulge in. It just kind of rose to the surface as soon as I started talking. And although previous to this, you may have not actually thought that it had any impact on your spiritual life. Anything that goes into our minds or our bodies impacts the growth of our salvation. And one thing you can do to help you exercise self-control is to pre-decide your limit of whatever it is that you're consuming. So that when you're in that moment, when you're surrounded by others, others who might be indulging in, a, in something at a level that is unhealthy for them, you don't actually have to wonder, I wonder how much or how much should I consume in this moment because you have already pre-decided. Let's consider this idea around the idea of drinking alcohol. Maybe you pre-decide how many drinks in one night that is gonna be healthy for you. And so when you're in this moment and there are people pressuring you to drink more, you have already made that decision. Maybe you pre-decide when it comes to spending money on certain things that you know you're at risk of indulging in. And so you give yourself a limit and you only spend that much in that period of time. Or maybe it's to do with how much content you're consuming or how much time you're spending on screens and you give yourself a limit. You pre-decide how much is healthy. So when you're tempted to keep indulging at a level that's no longer healthy for you, you've already made that decision. And then the second thing is to practice being self-controlled. And this is gonna sound absolutely ridiculous, but stay with me because I know I found it really helpful. You can actually practice self-control when it doesn't matter so that when it does matter, you go, I've got this. I know how to do this. So maybe you decide, I'm actually just not gonna touch alcohol for a whole month. And not because you're trying to raise money for anything, not because it's a fad that you're just trying to get on board with. You do it to practice being self-controlled. Maybe you say to yourself, you know what, I actually could watch shows every night of the week, but I'm actually just gonna choose one night that I watch it for no other reason than you're practicing self-control. 
Because limiting yourself when there's no pressure on you can actually help you when you're in that moment, when you feel tempted. And it's like a muscle, you've practiced it, you know how to exercise self-control. Self-control feels really like one of the most unfun things I can be talking about tonight. But if we don't learn to be a people who are self-controlled, we are at risk of indulging in the things of this world which inhibit us to be able to set our hope on the grace of Jesus Christ. So the encouragement for Peter is to prepare our minds for prepare our minds for action and exercise self-control. And then verse 14 goes on to say this. We're just in verse one, okay? So we've got a bit of a way to go. Well, not verse one, but the first verse we're looking at. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. That verse starts off by saying, as obedient children. And that is a second lesson that we learn in how to grow our salvation, obedience. This is super fun stuff right now, isn't it? Self-control, obedience, just what you were hoping for a sermon from tonight. It's not me talking, it's the Bible. (laughs) One of my biggest frustrations as a parent at the moment, those of you with kids may relate, those of you who have been kids may also relate. My kids, my kids are actually pretty good at being obedient when it comes to the really big stuff. You know, if I ask them to go and meet someone somewhere, they're probably gonna turn up where they need to be. But they're just not great at obeying when it comes to the small stuff. I constantly find myself saying to them, Just do what I'm asking you to do. And for some reason, getting ready in the morning and getting ready for bed at night does not breed obedience in my children. And if you're walking past our house, either in the morning or at night, you're probably gonna hear Tim or I saying in an extremely calm manner, I I must say, I've asked you 10 times now to brush your teeth. Just go and brush your teeth. You know what? My kids do not like being told what to do. Do you know what else? I don't like being told what to do. And my guess is you don't either. And I wonder whether that's the reason we actually find obeying God so difficult. We just want to do what we wanna do. We don't wanna be told that we can't or we shouldn't be doing something. And our society would say that on some levels, we actually shouldn't let anyone tell us who we should be or what we should do. And so when Peter writes to us as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. I actually wonder if our initial reaction is Well, you can't tell me what to do. Yet when we are given salvation, when we accept the deliverance from the power of sin through salvation, we are saying what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 2. 
I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Therefore, we do not conform to the evil desires, but instead we actually desire to be holy because he is holy. We are to live set apart. And that means not conforming, but it means living differently to the world around us. A.W. Tozer says, the true Christian ideal is not to be happy, but to be holy. The whole purpose of God in redemption is to make us holy and to restore us to the image of God. To accomplish this, he disengages us from earthly ambitions and draws us away from the cheap and unworthy prizes that worldly men set their hearts upon. We have this constant war between our flesh and the Spirit of God. The flesh says to us, do whatever it is that feels good to you. Do what you think is best. That's all that matters. But as Toza's quote reminds us, Our goal is not to lead a happy life. Our goal in life as followers of Jesus is to become holy. And so the Spirit reminds us that it's not about us. It's about God. It's about who He is. It's about what He wants. It's about His plan. And we are to trust that his way is best. And I just wonder tonight whether there's some of us that God has actually been calling us into something or maybe calling us to stop something, but we haven't been obedient. We haven't been listening. We've been distracted by the earthly things. Our flesh has been saying, but I just don't think that's the right thing. And I just wonder today whether you just need this encouragement to take that step of obedience into whatever it is that God is calling you to do. You need the reminder that God's way is the best way. Verse 22 then says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, love one another deeply from the heart. The NLT says, show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. And this is the third lesson that we find that helps us grow up our salvation. And just like as a kid, you have to learn to love your siblings. As we grow up in our salvation, there is a process of us learning to love our brothers and sisters. We had to have a sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Sometimes when I look at my kids and how they interact, it's hard to know if they're the worst of enemies or siblings. And so I find myself having to remind them constantly, remember, you actually love this person. And if you love this person, then you're supposed to treat them in this way. This is a heart check moment for us. We can tolerate people. We can even pretend to love people. But that's actually not enough in the kingdom of God. When we are citizens of heaven, we are actually called to have a sincere love for each other. 
Love one another deeply. God doesn't want us to pretend to love people or just be nice to them out of a duty or an obligation. He actually wants us to love them, like really love them, like from our heart, kind of like actually feel something for them. And I know that's kind of tough. I can't always do that in my own strength. And 1 John 4 reminds us that we love because he first loved us. We actually find the capacity to love others and not in a kind of half-hearted kind of a love way, but actually with a sincere love when we remember that Christ loves us. And Romans 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we were still sinners, the worst of them, he would choose to send the son that he loved to earth to die on a cross so that he could show his love for us. As we continue to set our minds on the hope set before us, the salvation that we have through Jesus, the new life we have by putting our old life to death, we actually become filled with a love that doesn't come from our own volition, but a love that comes from Christ. And so if we are to grow up our salvation, this salvation that we have freely been given through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we need to be a people who exercise self-control, who walk in obedience, and who love our brothers and sisters. It is so easy to take what it is that we've been given and just kind of enjoy it. You know, enjoy the fact that we have been delivered from the guilt and shame of sin. But we're reminded in this passage that we need to take what we've been given and we need to continue to grow our salvation. The scripture finishes by saying this, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. If we are to grow up in our salvation, we are to crave pure spiritual milk. And tonight I wanna ask you, what is it that you crave? Do you know what I never crave? I never crave a glass of milk. For some reason, I just don't really like regular milk that got spilt, so now it's dripping, ew. Ew. Does it make it a cool color in the light? No. When I was pregnant with Saxon, that's my firstborn child, I um, craved two things. I craved oranges, which makes sense because my favorite color is orange, doesn't it? And uh, the other thing I craved was chocolate milk. Weird, but I just desperately needed it at times. And I, you know, prior to be pregnant, I'd crave things like I would want chocolate a lot. And I, before I became a celiac, I would 
often want uh, Macca's chicken nuggets. Again, weird, but I just wanted them. But you know, it was kind of like a take it or leave it kind of situation. But when I was pregnant, I experienced this idea of craving something in a new way. Like I would get to morning tea time and I would like, I need chocolate milk, which was weird because I didn't, you know, love it that much before, but I desperately needed it. And I worked this out because uh, I was pregnant for nine months. And uh, I had a stash of chocolate breakers in the fridge and by morning tea time, I would just go and I would get my chocolate milk and I would drink it. I just longed to have it. And when I had it, it felt really good. When Peter writes, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, commentators believe that he had in mind that the spiritual milk was the word of God. The word of God that nourished followers of Jesus just like mother's milk nourishes a baby. So Peter's encouragement here is that he wanted the believers to rely completely on the word of God, completely on the truths of who God was to provide them with all that they needed to grow in their salvation. And as I've been meditating on this one particular scripture this week, I've had this picture come into my mind. And I I don't want to allude that I actually think this is what Peter was saying in this, but I actually think this picture speaks to the cultural moment that we are in at the moment. Let's take this glass of milk here and say that this represents what Peter suggests is the word of God, the truths of God. When we think about the role of the enemy, the deceiver in this situation, I wonder whether we think that on the surface, if the enemy was gonna try to tempt us and get us off track and stunt our growth, stunt this growth of our salvation, he's not gonna offer us a glass of milk. What he's actually gonna do is offer us something more like a can of Coke, something that is compared to milk, not that healthy, doesn't bring the same nourishment, but is attractive, and once you drink it, can become addictive. And I know for me, if I had these two drinks on offer, if someone came up to me and said, which of these do you want, I know which one I'm gonna choose. And sometimes I think we think that Satan, the deceiver, is just gonna obviously give us this unhealthy option. And while I think sometimes he does, I actually wonder that once we've been given our salvation, once we've accepted salvation in Jesus, one of the ways that the enemy stunts our growth is that he actually takes what is pure spiritual milk and he just sweetens it a little. It still looks like milk. If I smell it, it still tastes like milk. But if I was to drink it, It would taste like milk, but a little sweeter. It's a bit more palatable. 
And as we sit with God's word, as we sit in God's truths, as we contemplate this life that God calls us to, it doesn't always go down well. And so we may have become accustomed to having a sweetened version of it that's a bit more palatable. And you know what happens if you keep drinking the sweetened milk? I reckon the enemy just kind of keeps day after day just adding a bit more sweetener to it. And because you're kind of drinking it day after day, you don't really notice it's getting sweeter and sweeter. And over time, you actually find, whoop, do it over the bucket, whoop. (laughs) I really hate milk. (laughs) That you're actually drinking a completely different flavor of milk. And do you know what happens when you start drinking this kind of milk all the time? You actually lose the taste for regular milk. It might seem now a little bland, a little boring, and you think to yourself, why would I have regular milk when I can have a chocolate breaker? And although you know that regular milk here is better for you, it's gonna nourish you, the chocolate milk just goes down a little bit better. And I actually believe that this is a picture of what might be happening in our spiritual lives. Because of the ways that we have indulged our sinful flesh, because of the ways that the enemy is at work, we've actually lost our craving for pure spiritual milk. But God is inviting us to reawaken a craving, to develop a thirst, to have a hunger, a desperation for pure spiritual milk. Not a message that's been sweetened by the deceiver to be more palatable, more appealing. God is actually inviting us to come back and enjoy, to desire, to crave the simple pleasure of a regular glass of milk. One that's gonna nourish our bodies, and help us grow into all that God has called us to. One commentator says that if we don't crave the pure spiritual milk, it may be that we are taking in so much of the world's milk that we are not hungry for the milk God offers. So what do we need to do to crave spiritual milk? I'm gonna make a shift here and change my drink analogies, okay? So stay with me. No longer talking about milk, we're now talking about tea, all right? (laughs) I'm a tea drinker, and I used to only drink tea with sugar in it. But with the rise of all the information on how bad sugar is, and because my mother-in-law also pressured me into it, I realized that I probably shouldn't be drinking tea with as much sugar in it. So three years ago, I had my first cup of tea with no sugar in it, and it wasn't great. I mean, but with this conviction that it was healthier, and because I had pre-decided that this is 
what I wanted to do, I started to drink tea with no sugar in it. Day in, day out, I made the commitment, I went for it. No turning back. And three years later, I don't just like tea with no sugar in it. I actually find myself craving tea with no sugar in it. And that could also be to do with the addictive nature of caffeine that's in tea, but that's going to ruin the illustration. So don't think about that. We need to reawaken our craving for the Word of God. Not a sweetened version of it, not a sweetened version that the enemy would have us believe, but the true Word of God. And when you first pick it up and start reading it, because you might be used to a sweetened version of it, you might actually find it a little bland. You might actually find yourself getting bored. It might challenge the way that you see the world, the choices that you make, because you may have been digesting a sweetened version of it. But the more that you read it, the more that you immerse yourself in it, the more that you sit down and consume it, you will start to find yourself craving it. David Friedman, who is a neuroscientist, writes this. He says, though cravings are programmed into the brain, they are mostly just lying in wait. What sets them off is some sort of input from the senses. Interestingly enough, thousands of years before this, Peter writes, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And what Peter does here is he takes a phrase from a Psalm that David writes, when he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And David, when he writes this Psalm, he has experienced trials. He is experiencing his enemies literally coming in at him. But in the midst of that, he is experiencing the goodness of God as well. And so he says, he encourages people to taste and see the goodness of God. And the Christians that Peter is writing to, they too are having trials, but they are also experiencing the Lord's goodness. And so Peter is saying, now that you have tasted and seen the goodness of God, now that you have experienced our God to be one who is good, who is with you through the storms, who gives you us a living hope, crave pure spiritual milk. And when you do, you will continue to grow up your salvation. And some of us, I think, need to activate our craving by tasting and seeing the goodness of God. Tasting and seeing that God's way is actually the best way. We've been living our lives for too long, kind of maybe with one foot in and one foot out, trying to live the way the world would say that the goal really is my own happiness to fulfill all the desires that I have. But I believe that God is inviting us as His people to not just have one foot in and one foot out, but to have both feet in. And to say, God, I actually trust that your way is best. Even though I might not like it at times, I trust that your way is best. 
And I believe that as we continue to pursue the things that God calls us to, we will find ourselves craving to read it and to live this life that God has for us. As we come into land tonight, I realise that as we sit here, for a lot of us, we have been given our salvation and the challenge for us is to grow up in our salvation. But for some of us here tonight, when I talk about salvation, you actually know that you have never accepted that free gift that God has given you. And we've talked about how through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we actually have a living hope. We have a, an inheritance. We have salvation. The power of sin, of the wrong things that we have done has actually gone because Jesus has paid the price for that. And tonight I just think that this might be the opportunity for someone to, for the first time, actually receive this free gift of salvation. And so I just want to encourage you that if that's you tonight, if you know that you have actually never accepted that gift of salvation, and as I've talked a little bit about what Jesus has done, that through His death, He has now offered us salvation so that we can be free from the guilt and the sin and the shame that we may feel and He's offering us a new life. I just reckon some of us might need to respond to that. I'd love to pray a prayer. So why don't we close our eyes, bow our heads. And if that's you tonight, maybe you've been coming along to church for a little while, trying to suss it out, but you know, I've actually never accepted this gift of salvation. And as we talk about growing up, you know that to grow up, you actually firstly have to receive the gift. If that's you tonight, that you would love to just pray a simple prayer after me and say to Jesus, I wanna accept this gift. Why don't you just raise your hand right now? And I would love to pray that prayer with you. If right now you would just love to say, I wanna accept this free gift. Where I don't have to feel the guilt or the, the shame of the wrong things I've done, but I can be free from that through this free gift that God is offering us. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand right now and I would love to pray for you. I can see your hand over there. I'd love to pray with you in a moment. Is there anyone else that wants to join in this prayer that I'm about to pray? Okay, let's pray together. God, I thank you that you have sent your son Jesus to die for my sin. I acknowledge Jesus, you as my Lord and Saviour today. I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I wanna turn around and go on this journey of following you. Forgive me, Lord, and help me to live in your ways. Amen. Amen. Why don't we just give a round of applause for those who have prayed that prayer, accepted that gift of salvation. I said right at the start 
that we're going to have an opportunity to just testify to the goodness of God. What I think that's going to do for us tonight, what I hope it's going to do, my prayer is it's actually going to activate in us a craving to continue to grow up our salvation. Why don't we jump on our feet? We're going to sing a song just right now that just reminds us of the ways that God has been good to us. And as we just sing the first part of this song, if you just would love the opportunity just to testify to the goodness of God, the way that He has been good to you. Maybe it's how He's been good to you this weekend at Move Conference. Maybe it's how He's been good to you in the last couple of months in a way that you've just seen Him work. Or maybe it's just how He's been good to you throughout your life so far. Just think about how you could just testify to the goodness of God in one kind of short, simple sentence. And as we start to sing the start of this song, I just invite you to come down the front here and in just a moment, Brad's going to help you uh, just be able to share that so that we can, as a body of believers, have our craving for this life that God calls us to kind of activate it as we testify to the goodness of God. So if that's you tonight, I reckon there's some people who just know God has been doing some great things in your heart, in your life, maybe even in the midst of some really tough times. And tonight you just need to testify to the goodness of God. Make sure you come down as we sing this song and uh, we're going to just talk about how good God is. When I look back at my life and I see all that you've done, countless testimonies of your love. But the greatest one of all is that you rescued me from sin, led me right into a brand new life. I can't believe how good the Lord is. I can't believe how good the Lord is. I can't believe how good the Lord is. He's been good to me. He's been good to me. Oh, oh you've been so good, Lord. Been so
In just a moment, we're going to hear from Isaac. But I know that God has been good to a number of you because we've had conversations about that. And I don't want to like go all mum on you, but I reckon there's actually a step of obedience for some of you tonight. You heard before how I can yell at my kids. So I'm not going to do that because that would be me. But I actually think there's some of us here tonight that actually your step of obedience is to testify to the goodness of God. Because if we can't do that in a safe environment where we all love Jesus, we're going to really struggle to do that out there in the world as He calls us to go and be His witnesses. And so I know that there's some of us here tonight who you have seen the goodness of God. And it's just a step of obedience tonight to testify to that. And you don't know how your story of how God has been at work is going to bless someone else. And so I just encourage you, as these guys just share how good God has been to them, you need to come down and join this line that's going to start forming. All right? Let's start. We've been struggling um, for the past couple of months, and my mum's been jobless for a while, and um, we've just been praying and testifying that God would make a way and that His His will would be done. And she just got offered a position at Christian Outreach College to as like a managing role in the counselling facility. So I'm really grateful for God for that and for His provision in that. said that my mum and I were the only two Christians in our family and when Alpha started last semester I asked my brother to come and he now reads his Bible every day and comes to church regularly with me. How good. That's amazing. Um, uh, Look, uh, over the past couple of years leaving school, God's been really, really good. I'd say the past month has probably been one of the hardest months that I've gone through during that period. But God's still the same God. And I think that's what I've seen. Even in the the harder times, God's really stood out to me. He's really shown me His grace, shown me His love, shown me His forgiveness. And just so thankful for that. Just before the next story, I reckon there's, uh, I was going to say three more. Now that Rosh has come, I reckon there's at least two more people who you just kind of feel this burning that you need to just testify to how good God's been. Let's go. I'm really nervous. (laughs) Um, So I had a really, really tough time going through school um, to the point where I was questioning my life. Um, But God brought me through that and I am now a teacher who can hopefully make an influence in kids like me in their life. Um, God has just always been faithful in my life. Even when I don't know what's going to happen next, He always has a plan. And so now, like, whatever happens, even if I'm scared or I don't know what's going to happen, I know that God's got me going into surgeries or jobs or whatever. He's taught me how to love. He's taught me how to forgive. He's taught me how to live. Uh, Late last year, mine and Tim's sister-in-law was very, very sick. Um, She was having unexplained seizures, had a stroke. Uh, She's only in her 20s, had three little kids. Um, It was pretty dire. We thought we were going to lose her. Um, And just through prayer, just consistent prayer, um, she received miraculous healing, just just completely healed. Um, 
and now is um, pregnant again with another little bub and just, it's just unbelievable what God um, did in her life and, and in our lives. opportunity if you feel like you just want to testify to the goodness of God. I know for me this weekend just at Move Conference, God just reminded me of a picture that He gave me a long time ago that actually answered a question that I was asking and I didn't realise it and I was just so, God, you're so good. You just continue to be faithful to what it is that you've called me to do. Anyone else want to just testify to the goodness of God? Let's go. Um, so there was a week in June where my family, my sister was in hospital and had an operation. Um, my grandma had been suffering from cancer for months and had been put into palliative care that same week. Um, I got flu and then COVID, so I was at home sick and my poor mum was trying to manage everything. My partner had COVID and it was during exam block. And I think God helped us all get through that time and um, persevere and unfortunately my grandma did pass away but my sister was well enough the day after her operation being very very sick was able to see my grandma in hospital and say goodbye and I was able to pray for my whole family during that time and yeah <laughs> thank you to each one of you that have just shared and testified to the goodness of God I uh, just think God is really going to honour you as you take that step to continue to confess uh, just how good He is. Let's just thank these guys and thank God once more for how good He is. We're just going to continue to sing this out, continue to declare how good our God is. I cannot help but give you
goodness of God, may we just want to know more of you. And God, I just believe that you are calling us as your people, not just to sit and enjoy the salvation that we've been given, but you are calling us to grow up our salvation so that we can be the people that you have called us to be on this earth. People who are bringing the kingdom of heaven here today. And so God, I just pray right now that your spirit would fill us afresh. We're reminded that the spirit that you gave us does not make us timid, but it fills us with power, love and self-discipline. And so God, as we go into this week, I pray that your spirit would give us all the power that we need, that you would fill us with all the love that we need to love those around us. And you would give us the self-discipline that we need not to indulge in the things of this world at an unhealthy level, but you would help us to be self-disciplined so we can continue to be the people that you've called us to be. And God, remind us, remind us, God, of the the, the honour and the privilege it is to serve a holy God and just the, the, the joy it is to be called a holy people. So God, we just want to thank You that You, by Your Spirit, are doing a work in our hearts right now. When we feel like we are weak and we can't walk this life that You've called us to, God, we rely on Your Spirit to empower us. So God, we're just so thankful. We praise you. We worship you. And together as His church, we say amen. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.